Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I'm Stunny Sean, and I'm joined with a very special guest. Mystery guest, who are you? Sometimes I'm not sure, but I tell you what, it's really, really good to see you. I used to be the co-host and co-founder of this podcast, and then 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 got struck off quite badly. Um, mate, it is really good to be looking over a computer at you, you handsome devil. You're still as gorgeous as ever, and your hair is getting longer. Ladies and gentlemen, we have David the Smart Mark back for this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this week will be a one-off for the time being. Unfortunately, after having um, heart surgery, I have now been diagnosed with lung disease, which is pulmonary, to give it its posh name, is pulmonary fibrosis. Bit of a shock, but the beauty of it is it's treatable, not curable. So in September, I will be having more surgery, then followed by a course of what the doctor called mild chemotherapy, which is basically, it's not cancerous, but the disease cells have to be got rid of with chemo. Now, if you know me, chemo I'm not bothered about because having hair on my body is just, I'm not greatly bothered by. Hopefully, it'll be like diet pills and I'll lose some weight. That that will be good. But unfortunately, I am breathless. I can't do an awful lot. Um, I am undergoing support and treatment as, as we speak. And um, hey, you know, each day at a time. But it's just good to... You know, this has come a little bit suddenly for me and Sean. So any contribution I can make towards Radio Free Pro Wrestling in, in, in the upcoming weeks, I will. Um, but it's just good to look at you, you handsome devil, over a computer. Well, you know, I'm just happy you're not upset that I lost the Churchill Cup to um, Randy. No, I like Randy. He's, he's a good egg. Um, and to be fair, we both know we'll get it back between us. So, or, or, or it's only he's only holding it. He, he, he's holding it because he needs to hold it. That's a bit like a bit like an AEW tag team. You know, he's only holding it, waiting for FTR to come back. And me and you are FTR. Well, you know what? Let's start there because last week me and you were talking offline about the AEW World Tag Team Title match, and we both agreed that we thought that. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starch should have been the team that got the titles dropped to instead of Keith Lee and Swerve Scott. I mean, I like Swerve and Keith Lee, but they're a put-together tag team that's been around for like a month. And Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starch, we have seen them grown from like a year and a half ago to now, and they're one of the best tag teams in the division. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, mate, where do we begin? Now, you've just given me a bit of information that I hadn't prior to coming uh, to the recording that I wasn't aware of, that one of the Jetsons, was it Matt, you said, got injured during the match, which also made the, the change. But I've read today that Meltzer has said that the Bucks FTR 3 for all the marbles is not happening anytime soon. It's not in the booking scenario anytime soon. So expect Swerve and... Keith Lee, unfortunately, to have the belts for a few months. Now, I agree with you. The obvious one was if the books were going to drop the belts. I mean, what does that tell Starks and Hobbs? Two homegrown products. All right, we, we both, me and you know Ricky Starks from his NWA days before he moved over to AEW. And Hobbs is a product, one of the few AEW products 
that they've actually done well with. And I'm going to go on about another one in Wardlow later on in the show um, because of what they did to him on Dynamite this week. But it's ridiculous. They've had such a good show for weeks and weeks and weeks. They get a few injuries and it's like Tony's gone right. Well, I'm just going to throw this against the wall and ruin all the good work I've done. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. As we've seen these injuries pile up for AEW, it seems like they're more willing to go to the quote-unquote ex-WWE guys first instead of the people who've been there since day one, like Paradise Hobbs, Ricky Starts. You can say the same thing about Warload. We can go there right now if you want to because last week he had his first TNT title defense against Orange Cassidy. And if you remember, ladies and gentlemen, a few weeks ago, I had turned the corner on Orange Cassidy. Allow me to rebut this. Will Ospreay is single-handedly the greatest professional wrestler on God Green's Earth because he made Orange Cassidy have a great match. Because this match between Warlow and Orange Cassidy was not anything to write home about. I agree. I could not agree with that anymore if I dived over to Knoxville now and paid you. I've been saying this about Osprey for months and months and months. However, it's nice to see him get some recognition on national television through the Forbidden Door build, the actual match at Forbidden Door in which you are 100% correct. When it was announced that he was going up against Cassidy, it was just like, really? But coming on to Wardlow. Wardlow, they've grown. AW take the credit, but it seems like now they're making the TNT title belt the cursed belt in AEW. Because basically, if you have it, you don't get good matches. Look at Scorpio Sky, a guy we both know as a talented wrestler. The only one who has treated that, and I hate to say this, has treated that TNT title belt as it should be like a second biggest standing title belt in the company was Cody. And look where he's ended up. Since then... It has gone downhill. Now, I was all for, all for putting Wardlow on it, but he should not be getting beaten up by a mid-card star. If they'd have come out, either given him a big boot, powerbombed, done the powerbomb one more time, you know, like, like, like they do, then that's fine because it strengthens Wardlow. Orange Cassidy could take it, but they didn't. They had to give him all sorts of offense. And it was all, and it makes, it just makes Wardlow look, well, it, it, you know, everything they built him to be. Bear in mind, last week he beat up 20 security guards and he, he struggles against Orange Cassidy, who got two counts against him. Uh, you know, who, who is, at the end of the day, 160 pounds wet through. Yeah, he's got his gimmick and the crowd love him. Fine, keep him in that echelon. But this was awful, absolutely awful. And it made Wardlow look stupid. Hey, David, do you know the moment that turned me off of this match was when, um, I want to say Chuck Taylor went underneath the ring and he pulled out a freaking toy chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what was up with that? And I was like, Wardlow, I, I was like, what the f***? You must be angry because you've just uh, you just put 20 cents in the swear box. I, 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 that is the first time. I mean, that, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of my, my colleague, this is the first for Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Sean is a very clean living, good guy. He's not like me. I'm not. And he is, he's got him that angry. He's just used to profanity. That's how bad it was. If you haven't seen this, don't. It was a god-awful show. 
I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's like that had no... What's it, Terry Funk going to come out as Chainsaw Charlie? For old times' sake? I, yeah, what? There was no reason for it. Okay, so if I remember right, AEW was supposed to be the sports presentation version of wrestling. They could have... Yeah. They could have found some other weapon to fight underneath the ring if they didn't want to do this center. Oh, single part cane, steel chair, ladder, trash can lid. Yeah. Find something else, something that is believable that you could use in a wrestling match to cheat. Yes, because no, it's a freaking chainsaw. Yes, because in theory, you look at the the matchup, the size difference. Yeah, I could buy that. Orange Cassidy wants a chair, wants a trash can, wants something to protect himself from this monster Wardlow. That actually makes. A lot more sense than 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 the chainsaw. I mean, what's next? Orange Cassidy's going to come in and a digger and a crane, you know, and and try and lift. What? It was just bad. It was really, really bad. And I'm sat there going, no, please, no, just Wardlow win, just Wardlow win. But no, Pockets had to get his, uh, I don't know, his offense in. It wouldn't have hurt him just to have been squashed. It really wouldn't. The only bright spot of this match was the fact that he pulled Dan Housen out from underneath the ring. <laughs> and Dan Housen <laughs> thought about cursing him. Then he went like, wait a minute, this is Warlow. He's a yeah. threat to me. Warlow, yeah. we're good. I want to see my way out. They used it as a distraction for the orange punch, and Wardlow had to sell it. I, um, it was funny, and I've got to be honest, I did chuckle a little bit at that bit. But that's only because we, Dan Housen, can do no wrong in our eyes. Now, it was, it, it, goddamn, they have grown. One of the plus points of AW is they grew MG, MJF and Wardlow together, now separately, and made huge stars of them to rival Punk. Danielson, um, I've got to say it, Moxley to a lesser degree, because they're the big three, but this is going to kill him. It really, really is. Plus the fact you had the babyface, babyface dynamic. The crowd didn't know who to cheer for, you know. Exactly, David. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel a bit better now, Sean. Thank you. Okay, David. So while we're talking about this, let's slide back over to last week on NXT 2.0, no, as no, I'm going to no. tell you about the worst heel turn in WWE history. If you haven't seen this, you should go back and watch it just for the crazy ending to the match, as one week ago, removed... Cora Jade and Roxanne won the women's tag team titles. The following week, we see the show open up with Roxanne laid out in the parking lot. The most dangerous place in NST is the parking lot. <laughs> and Cora Jade's there going like, oh my god, I need to help my friend. And through the night, we see Cora Jade going around accusing people after people like, you're the person that yeah. took out Roxanne. Yeah. And part of me just didn't want to believe they're going to pull this trigger here because I was thinking yeah. like maybe the alliance was going to be the person that's going to be yeah. the heel in this situation. But David, they went down the road. They put Cordy Jag into the ring. Her skateboard broke in half before she could hit Roseanne. And she had to improvise. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> and I felt sorry for both of them because I'm going like, you know, this is probably not their idea. It's probably some freaking writer in NXT going like, this would be a great idea. Uh, you're right about it would have been somebody. Yeah, that last piece you're 100% right about. But they should have some dignity and say, no, I'm just not doing it. I really don't need this job that much. Yeah, you're, you're right. You are actually sitting there going, then, they, they're not going to pull this. Surely they're, they're just not. And they did. And um, to top it up, the skateboard broke. Mafu from Botchamania sat there absolutely killing himself because he could get a whole show out of that one 
NXT show. And then, to top it up, my favourite tag, second favourite, or one of my favourite tag teams in NXT, had been finally announced that they've got new names as well. And, I, I, right, i got to be honest, we've been away from each other for a while. And while we've been away... The WWE, apart from NXT, has probably been my most enjoyable watching promotion. That shows how bad wrestling has got since me and you have been away from each other. Because the build for SummerSlam and the potential SummerSlam card, I think it's going to make some decent matches. But AEW, Progress, my two must-do, even NXT UK to a lesser extent, but NXT as a, as a program, really shouldn't be called a wrestling show. It's not a wrestling show. The similarities is they have a ring and they have athletes. After that, it's not a wrestling show. And I'm sorry, I can't... Every Tuesday, every Wednesday morning, I have a moral dilemma. Do I watch it? Genuinely, I have a moral dilemma. Do I watch it because I know it's going to upset me? And it does consistently upset me. And this... You're watching it, and you are right. You're going, they're not going to pull this. You got it bang on. They're not going to pull this. And they did. And right for the moment of the parking lot, again, really funny how you just nailed that. And we, we say this time and time again, we're, we're fans, but we're knowledgeable fans. I know the Mark word is, 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 is overused as an insult, but we have seen a lot of wrestling and a lot of heel turns and a lot of bait and switch. So sometimes they occasionally surprise you. This, unfortunately, they didn't surprise us. You know, David, a better way to get to this decision that they wanted to get to would have been like, say, a couple of weeks ago, they had Tasha Attraction talk to Cora J and they tried to bring her into the group. And slowly but surely, you get these little breadcrumbs and you're thinking, maybe she'll do it. And that past Tuesday, they could have done like a female version of the Four Horsemen with Sting, like have Roxanne come out with um, Cora Jade and Tasha Trash comes out and they basically give Roxanne to the end of the night to say, I don't want this match. Okay. But Roxanne's going to be the baby face. She's going to take the match. You can have Cora Jade come down, then do the turn without the tag team titles. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But you make sense. WWE writers don't. I, I wonder what genuinely um, Hunter thinks of it now. He must be killing himself laughing. I know Regal on that new podcast that Regal does every week, which is very, very good, by the way, and he's talked about his whole career, but they've got on to NXT and he avoids it. It's one subject he avoids talking about and it's very noticeable and there's only one reason for that i do believe that he considers nst his baby and the fact that he's not there kind of troubles him but he's happy in his new position yeah he's been used as he should be in aw to teach you know and 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 as he said on this while there's people in the ring at aew and he said there are people in the ring for a majority of the working day he said, I'm not leaving that ring. He said, if there's people there that want to learn and listen to me and are prepared to, he said, I will not be leaving that ring while there's people there. And it's in very, very eye-opening stuff. Exactly, David. So let's slide over. Let's talk about the next pay-per-view for quote-unquote AEW slash Ring of Honor as it yep. death before Dishonor. And when this was first announced, they were going, hey, this will be exclusively on Breacher Report. And I was going like, you're trying to kill Ring of Honor. So luckily for us in the States, we can order it on pay-per-view. And for internationally, you can do it on Fight TV. Thank God. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I've got my, I've got it. Um, fortunately, it's going to be the highlight, as, as we said, we mentioned my health issues this weekend coming as we record. Um, my queen and daughter are away, leaving me loose in the house to stagger around and totter around on my own, me and the dog. And the highlight is going to be able to sit down in the living room for once and watch Ring of Honor at stupid o'clock in the morning on the big screen TV. And I'm really looking forward to that for the first time. Okay, so let's start at the Women's Ring of Honor World Championship match because this should be an excellent match. Yes. Martina Martinez versus Serena Debs. And David, whoever ends up with this title, I'm perfectly happy with. But I love to see them give Serena Dave a run with a belt. Because this lady has been so good for so long. And the time she was in WWE was criminal because they never used her right. Right. I agree with that 100%. I just, if we were doing this for the Churchill, um, I would unfortunately go with Mercedes Martinez. But I agree with your sentiment. I agree with what you said. And it could be. The ladies match of the year. I genuinely believe that. David is a strong candidate. We haven't even seen the match yet, but the two names put together will give it a good chance to be the match of the year for the ladies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the next match we're going to talk about, let's skip the tag team title match for a second. I'm going to go up to the Pure Rules Championship match, as it's Willard Utah versus Daniel Garcia. Two young guys who can freaking go. This would be a very entertaining match. But I still got a feeling that Yuta is going to win against Garcia unless the Jericho Society invades ROH and yeah. they cheat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, all of that. You're, you're, you're basically, you know, exactly. It's the one match that I'm not that bothered about, but it's still got potential to be a decent, more than decent match. I'm not bothered by either of these these guys but yeah you can see shenanigans coming in this very easily you know what i can see them putting the belt on garcia and him going around calling himself a sports entertainer with the yeah. championship title yeah. i think that would be something they could do on AEW TV and give rlh some more presence on her show yeah bang on yeah absolutely okay let's go up to samoa joe versus jay lethal for the rlh tv title match now <laughs> samoa joe jay lethal they have been so good for so long. If you've seen them in TNA back in the day and to now, this is going to be the match, one of the matches of nights for myself. Yeah, you just beat me to it. As I say, we're going to TNA circa 2009. I hope, again, there's not interference. I have a feeling there will be, there'll be shenanigans. And I hope Joe retains because I love Joe. I've always loved Joe. Um, it's good. That, yeah, what they do with that, I'm extremely interested in. Um, but we shall see. Um, we shall see. But yeah, that'll be decent. Two old hands, two old stages. They know what they're doing. They could have a 20 minute, 20 minute, 25 minute match without leaving the ring and it'll be brilliant. You know, this is a match as well where I can see either guy having a title and I would be perfectly happy with it. A Hill J Lethal with a title belt is this money. Yeah, um, it's interesting because there's only one match on this card that if you ask me to, if we say we're going to predictions, there's only one match that I would have said I can see a title change there. And I'll be honest, it's not this one. But there is one that we've still got to discuss, 
where I can see a title change. Okay, so we're going to move over to the Ring of Honor tag team title match. It's the Bristles versus FTR2. And please go find Dax's Twitter. FTR brought out a thing of tequila, and Dax said it was worth $150. He said he didn't bring the cheap shit. He brought the good stuff. And they, toast, they start out being gentlemen. They toasted each other. And at the end of the six minutes, you're going to see the greatest heel turn in probably David's life as uh, the bristles pour out the tequila. I, I love that. I've, I've seen that six-minute segment. And they start off talking, the FTR start to, off talking about respect. And it's obvious that the briscoes don't want it. They drink the tequila. Yeah, you've, 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 you've talked about the ending. It's 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 fantastic. It really, really is good, and it's a great. Well, they also announced at the start that it's going to be two out of three falls as well, um, or during during the the six minutes, don't they? Is, is that on my right? Not exactly, David. Because um, the wrestlers are talking about, hey, you know, you guys only yeah, look, got lucky like once yeah. every week or so. Yeah. We're out yeah. here after ROH closed down. We're trying to show everybody the bristles didn't close down. We're wrestling multiple times a day, multiple times a weekend. So FDR goes like, man, that sounds like excuses. You know what we will do? Two out of three falls. If we beat you two out of three falls, it's not a fluke. Yeah. Yeah, it was well put together. It was logical. It was, you know, it, it, it was, and it's a great, great segment. Considering the Briscoes are not the finest on the microphone um, due to that delightful accent of theirs. And their chicken farms at the end of the day. It was a brilliant segment and it, it got... Not that you need any hype or anything for this match. The match hypes itself. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. The only thing that keeps me from being totally excited for this match, because, I mean, it's going to be a good match, but I don't see FTR losing the belts here just for the simple no. fact that the Bristles are not contractually linked to any version of AEW because of quote-unquote Time Warner not, no, not wanting them. I'll enjoy this match for what it is on the screen and as they're working in the ring, but I'm pretty sure this wasn't the title change you were thinking about. I'm pretty sure you're correct. Um, yeah, Mark, has, Mark Briscoe's got some history with some tweets he made. Yeah, again, young young and dumb and made some inappropriate tweets. Bear in mind where he's from. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to understand. Whatever, the tweets were wrong. He acknowledges that now. But you've got to look at his background and where he's from. It it, it explains a lot. Um, so, yeah, for those very reasons, I can't see a title change there at all, which, you know, nicely leads into, you know, the one I do think may well change titles this weekend. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's for Darina, our world title, as we're getting Jonathan Grissom versus Claudio Castanelli. And this could easily be one of the top five matches of the year. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, dream match. Obviously, Gresham's made his name through the technical wrestling side all around the world. Claudio can go in any form, be it brawl, hardcore, or normal in the ring. He's just a freak. Um, and this has got so much potential. And I can see them putting gold on Claudio because he was a big, a big name to come over. And at least this way, they get some gold on him. And they don't have to look at any of the big AEW titles. Okay, I have a question for you. What do you think about Tully Bradford being the manager of John Grissom now? Well, it gives him that option to be a heel from now on. 
Yeah, you know, but I've seen Jonathan Grissom be a hill in real honor where he was one co-founder of yeah. Foundation, and Foundation was a hill for a group for a while, and he a mouthpiece. No, 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 he doesn't. Um, he, was a, he was a heel in his short run in progress, and he didn't need a mouthpiece. That was perfectly clear. He just played the American, uh, American USA card, which is easy. Easy to do, you know. Go go out there and insult some um, English or British wrestling fans. You know, it's not. Maybe it's just um, the fact that Tony's got Tully on contract and wants to do something with it. Bit of a come down to where he was, but you know, hey, it'll still be. This will still be potentially the best wrestling card of of the year. Exactly. This could be one of the best pay per views that you see, and maybe not a lot of people will see this match. In this card, but at the end of the year, when you look back at the cards that you're going to say, "Hey, this was a great card," this could be possibly one of the five best cards of the year. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'd just like to say at this point, because obviously we've not been together for a while in the nicest possible sense. Great to see Pat win the Atlantic at Forbidden Door. Really, really relieved and pleased about that. And he defended it in Rev Pro recently against. Shown a room Uma, in a match worth checking out. Really, really good match. Worth checking out on Rev. It's on Rev Pro's YouTube or website. I can't remember which. But he was back in the UK, not last weekend, weekend before, and um, defended the Atlantic Championship, which I think it's going to be like their equivalent of the European title belt, which also explains why they finally put some gold on pack. And he got a hero's welcome back into um, York Hall, Bethnal Green, and put on a clinic. Really, really good match. Rev Pro um, are possibly the top company in England um, at the moment. I know Progress have had some successful shows recently, including the culmination, although it's going to be ongoing, of Cara Noir, Spike Trevay, or Tom Dawkins, as he's now known. What is interesting with that, if you've been following that story, um, Easily one of the feuds of the year, Spike Trevay versus Cara Noir. Um, the heel in Spike Trevay, um, it's particularly prevalent with politics because he plays the equivalent of a Tory politician almost who's turned into a wrestler. That's a conservative politician, sorry, to the American listeners. Um, and obviously they're not a popular party at the moment, even though they're in government here in the UK. So he is a dastardly heel and he's pulled off dastardly tricks with the Black Swan the hero of progress wrestling, a superb technical wrestler, a superb wrestler, Cara Noir. Now, basically, Spikes won. In theory, Cara was supposed to leave progress, but he said he can stay, but he can't use all his signature moves, and he must wrestle under his real name of Tom Dawkins, which I think is quite a clever gimmick to get out, if you like, for Spike going over. And this Saturday night is their first show since pulling all this off. Looking forward to seeing how they do this. They've got to be really, really careful. Obviously, they're going to build to another Spike, Cara slash Tom match. But my interesting point was, he's now known as Thomas Dawkins in Progress, which is one of the biggest, bigger, more well-known companies. However, everywhere else in the UK... He's wrestling as Cara Noir, which has taken a bit of a shine off the gimmick for me and off the story. Obviously, progress can't dictate to Tom and other companies what they use him for, but it would have just been nice that if he'd have gone to other companies and, you know, wrestled as Thomas Dawkins, keeping the 
gimmick alive, so to speak. Does that make sense, Sean? No, David, you're making per- perfectly good sense because I saw those um, posts for different companies where, oh, hey, cars at this company, cars at that company. And I'm going, you know, in progress, he's Tom. It would have made the story this a little bit more believable. Yep. And granted, this is going to be probably my feud of the year, my storyline of the year, because it has been such well done. And Spike Bay may be my heel of the year. He is one of the greatest heels going today. And they had me. Because when I was watching that last man, oh, wait, take it back. First person to speak loses match. I the I quit match, yeah. I thought Carl was gonna win. I thought Carl was gonna embrace his darkness yeah. and beat the living you know what out of the, a Spike. And when Spike won and how he won, I'm going, Bravo, he just got me and that was such an evil way to win. It was, but I, I was actually slightly oh because surely if you're in an I quit match, you're a wrestler, you wouldn't have brought to the ring what he brought, for that reason, because it's an obvious target. However, there's obviously more to this than meets the eye. One point I'd like to make, just as an offshoot before we um, before we, we move on or close up, one of those companies that you've mentioned that Cara's performing in at the beginning of October, and I've talked about this previously on the podcast, is the resurrection of One Pro Wrestling in Doncaster, at the Doncaster Dome, an indoor arena in the UK in North York, or sorry, excuse me, South East Yorkshire. Now, I've got a long-standing love-hate relationship with this company because when they first kicked off many years ago, around 2007, don't quote me, but I used to live very close to the Dome or within an hour's drive of the Dome and went to their first shows. Their promoter at the time, and still their promoter who's resurrected the company, is a gentleman called Stephen Gauntley, who has a very checkered history in the UK wrestling business. I'm not going to get slanderous for this podcast, but what I would recommend is read the best wrestling book I have ever, ever read, which is All or Nothing by James Dixon. It's available on Kindle, and it is the story of 1PW's first run and it went on for about five years Stephen Gauntley the current promoter had the company for two years of that company but he's a prominent figure in this book read it and then wonder why they are coming back on the 1st of October because it will make you wonder if you read this book they are charging WWE prices um, for this show i.e. you can get tickets for the Cardiff show, the WWE Cardiff show, cheaper than you can this this 1PW show. And Gauntley has been on Facebook and has been challenged about the prices. It's very, very interesting. And I will, because I'll be post-operation, reporting on this for this podcast, and I'm going to try and do it in a balanced way. Some huge stars in this show, but keep an eye out. You know, David, I've seen the posts for who they're bringing over for this first show in October, and I got a feeling that they're going down the same road, and this might not last. Granted, it's going to last longer than WES, but it's not going to last that long. Don't make me laugh, it hurts. (laughs) But this is, they repeat, they're seemingly repeating the same errors that they made in the first place, where they booked loads of then big stars and obviously had to pay them. You you know yourself, it's flights, hotels, 
their fee, you know, and they, these are not cheap guys. I think in the first show off the top of my head, they've got Christopher Daniels, they've got Thunder Rosa, they've got Rob Van, I'm probably doing Gauntley's advertising for him here. Um, they've got Cara Noir, They're, they've got one of the big things that they made mistakes they made previously, and this is one of the things I shall be looking out for very closely. They had about a 50-50 split of imports and British stars. But the imports always went over, with the exception of Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch, who won the first tag team championship. Um, and they beat AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in the final. Um, and, and you'd expect that to be a brilliant match. It wasn't. But, I'll digress. They've got, again, a mixture of Brit- current British and current, um, like Robbie X is in, um, Cara's in. There's some more, more British stars. But it will be interesting to see who goes over. It really, really will. I can't... I, a purely cruel fascination that if this show's on fight, I'm probably going to order it. Just pure fascination. I'm certainly not going to spend 50-odd pound on a ticket, um, which is, you know, now what they've got left, just to drive an hour and a half from here to go and watch... to go into the Doncaster Dome. But keep an eye out for it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, before we go this week, David, allow me to go back to the worst heel turn ever in Corey J. I have a top five heel turns of all time, in my opinion, okay? Go on, I'm, I'm intrigued. Starting at number five, it is Kurt Henning joined the Four Horsemen as they're battling the NWO only to turn his back on the Four Horsemen and Arn Anderson inside War Games 1997. Yeah, that wasn't, yeah, yeah, that's a good start. Okay, so number four, Hatsaw Jim Duggan, Mr. America himself, joining WCW's version of Team Canada. Yeah, I've forgotten that. Okay, okay, here's another one. Number three, they bring over Bret Hart, just post-Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. And for a little while, he's kind of a tweener. He joins the freaking NWO. He's playing second fiddle to Hulk Hogan. I thought you were going to mention his his pay-per-view debut where he refereed. (laughs) Okay, yeah. 1997 Starcade. Supposed to be the crowning moment where they defeat the NWO with Sting, making Sting like a mega, mega star. And it ends in a mods, and you don't see the ending because they ran out of time. Yeah, yeah. They've built and built and built that, haven't they? Exactly. So, number two on my list of worst heel turns ever is going to be Tatanka joined the Million Dollar Corporation. Because that makes sense. <laughs> wow, you've done some research, my friend. Okay, my number one heel turn that was awful is from TNA. And it's a, it could be a tie. It could be Jeff Hardy deciding to drink from the cup of Hulkamania and becoming the... Andy Christ of professional wrestling, or AJ Styles channeling his inner Ric Flair as the start of fortune was not a fortune. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why would? Yeah. Well, why would AJ Styles of all people be? Mind you, no, it was rude, wasn't it? Not Storm that was in fortune. Originally, the lineup of fortune at the time they made it with Flair was going to be AJ Styles. It was actually rude and James from both. They had both the members and they had Kaz. That was the four members of Fortune. Right. Okay. Thank you. I know you like your, you know, you are a bit of a TNA buff uh, around that era. Well, 2008, 2009 TNA was great. And then they decided, oh, here comes Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. They ain't done anything in 10 years. 
And the last thing they've done was basically run the company out of business. So yeah, let's sign <laughs> them. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think my worst moment for TNA. I know this isn't a heel term, but it's worth a reminisce. Was the um, AJ Styles Claire Lynch storyline? How to kill a company very easily? Take your ma- your major homegrown star and put him in a storyline like that. Oh hey, you know what we got out of that? We got to see Surge. Yeah, yeah, we did, didn't we? Well, we did. We got to see Surge while his wife was um, busy in the back with the boys, allegedly. Quote Kevin Nash shoot interview. Okay, so one more thing about bad TNA while we're just talking about past wrestling memories here. Another <laughs> bell point of TNA, and also it could have been on my heel turn list. Do you remember Nick Aldis being Magnus and he was a babyface going into the world title match and he turns heel to get the title in the UK? No, I don't. Oh, come on, talk to me about that. That doesn't... Okay, okay. I, rem- I, I remember okay. Nick with the title. Allow me to remind you guys of this awful period in professional wrestling history. Magnus is going for the title. I-, I can't remember who had it at the time, but this is the same era when they had Dixie Carter being a heel on TV and her Disneyland group. And Magnus becomes her paper champion. Wow, yeah. Now, granted, Nick Ellis has gone to greater fiends now. He's one of the best fiends in professional wrestling now. Oh, mate, you've just thrown another one at me, right? I'm just going to quickly do this. At the moment here in the UK, is it's ongoing in Blackpool in England, the second biggest darts tournament in the world, the world match play, right? This is an aside. And a gentleman who used to compete in the top 10 of darts is a guy called Paul Nicholson, originally from Newcastle, but represents Australia in the world of darts. Don't ask. But he's a big wrestling fan. Now, myself and my wife like the darts, and we went to this tournament for a whole week when Paul Nicholson was actually good enough to qualify. He's a big wrestling fan. We met him and was talking wrestling. And one of his last words to me were, when we finished chatting, was, you keep your eye out. I'm not just doing darts. And I thought, well, you can't become a wrestler. You can't become a wrestler. He didn't, but he joined TNA for their UK tours and was known as the bad boy of darts. And he was affiliated with Aces and Eights. And he used to come out with Aces and Eights because I saw, I went to a live Nottingham show um, and during the Aces and Eights era, Sting had just joined because I was so excited about seeing Sting. And the main event was a cage match with Sting, Jeff Hardy, and a couple of others against Aces and Eights. Just a family show. You know, it was a typical house show. Obviously, the babies won, and they all went home. But Nicholson was cage-side for the whole match, and he got heaps. And I don't mean wrestling heat heaps. He got English abuse heaps. And I think you know the difference of what I'm talking about here, Sean. Yes, I do. It's kind of like, go away, heat. We don't want to see you, heat. Why are you yeah. heat? You need to leave heat. Well, let's put it like this. Some of the chanting was not family friendly, including the we'll, we'll, we'll meet you next Tuesday type. And it was just Nicholson, you're a... And, and, and he, you could see he was visibly bubbling. It was just quite funny. Sorry, it's just... You've, we've reminisced 
We've had a little reminisce, Sean, which is what we should do. Well, you know, we could do a whole nerd podcast on how bad the aces and eights were, and we might do that down the road. I think we should. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be Radio Free Professional Wrestling for this week. Until I see you later on down the road, stay stunning, and David, all the best to you. And you'll be on here whenever you're able to. And we'll just figure it out as we go. Cheers, guys. Take care. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.